Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another episode of the No CMO Podcast. Today I'm bringing you episode 12 with myself, Ryan Sullivan, Tammy Palazzo, and Tim Wickstrom of the Presenter app. Tim and Tammy are co-founders of Presenter, which is a public speaking application. It's an AI-based application that gives you real-time, real-world feedback on your public speaking skills. I've used it myself, and I and I really love it. And I just had a blast talking to them on the podcast, just going in in depth into all different facets of public speaking, as well as uh, the process between starting or the process of starting a business as well. And I can't forget to mention their podcast, Figures of Speech, available on all platforms. I'm a huge fan of it, so I was thrilled to have them on today. I hope you guys enjoy episode 12. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Welcome to the No CMO podcast today. I'm here with Tammy and Tim from Presenter. Uh, Tammy and Tim are both coaches and they have developed and created uh, the Presenter app, which gives a voice to millions of people uh, by building their confidence um, and sharing their ideas and passions. So I don't want to go too far into it uh, because I'd like to have you guys explain it. Uh, so if you could uh, just tell me a little bit about you guys and then and about the company and I and I think we'll probably take it from there. Go for it, Tim. Perfect. All right. Well, it's so nice to be on here with you. Thanks for having us. Uh, Tim Wickstrom, my background and experience comes from nearly 20 years of coaching and training and development. Uh, I love that opportunity to give people a skill set, help build their confidence in how they present themselves in front of others, whether it's in front of an individual or a group. Uh, we all could use some support and love around our presentation skills. And uh, that sort of turned into this app and this wonderful partnership with Tammy, uh, building this great business called Presenter that we have. I'm Tammy Palazzo, also one of the co-founders of Presenter. My background's a little bit different than Tim's, but I am the customer. I am the use case. I was mm -hmm. terrified of public speaking or frankly, communicating with anybody for most of my life. It was just something that always gave me a lot of anxiety. And it didn't really match up with my desires for life because I was a journalism major and did radio and television. And I really was so nervous about it. And later in my career, I ended up in sales and marketing positions and struggled every time I had to even get on the phone with somebody or make a presentation to somebody. And as my career progressed, I made a bit of a pivot and ended up in workplace consulting and met Tim, which was about 10 years ago. And I shared with him my very, very private secret anxieties about this. And he said, I can fix you. I can help you do this. And he did. And I went through what we now offer to our clients, uh, this very intense boot camp, and learn so much about myself. And over time, it didn't happen immediately. It wasn't, I wasn't an overnight sensation. I didn't the next day suddenly become a better speaker, but I learned about what it took to become more confident. I learned about the mechanics and all the elements of it that we'll talk about as we talk about our app. But I learned about all of that and over time became really comfortable with it and ultimately wanted to be able to coach other people. I wanted to spread the gospel. I felt like I found religion <laughs> and realized that this is something that everybody should be able to experience because it really is life changing. That's that's awesome. And if you ha and if I have the story right, you guys. Um, basically met each other. You, Tim, you instilled this confidence in her that, you know, she could, you know, actually be a good presenter and that she, that, you know, she was the right person to do it. Maybe she just didn't have access to it um, or in, in herself. I'm not sure of, of, uh, you know, all the details, but how did you guys get from that point of meeting each other? Um, and then I guess, Tim, I guess you were then training her and then to creating this, this thing. Um, like what was kind of part of that? process or what was uh, the process of, of going through that and creating 
uh, the well, application. It was a hell of a process, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, I bet. I know. <laughs> what I can tell you about it, I want to go back to something you mentioned a little bit ago, you know, recognizing that she has this opportunity and she has this insider. The fact is everybody does. Yep. This is not a skill set that a select few in the world have and, and we look at them and go, gosh, they're great. I can't be that. We all have that skill set. And that really led to how we came up with this business. After working with Tammy and us just having such a great bond in the beginning and starting our career together 10 years ago, we're very complimentary in the sense of I was the talent she hired and she did this amazing job of building a business and developing clientele. And along the way uh, of still doing training, had this idea of just how can we do this in a larger way? How can we get at more people? Because at that point, Tammy and I both were doing training. Uh, we were both out there uh, helping people out, but it just wasn't scalable. And we suffered the, the challenge of so many people want to get better. How do we reach the masses? But it really was twofold. Uh, we would work with clients uh, and train them in one year. The next year, come back and almost train them on the same thing. And they retain a tremendous amount of information, this much information, but they're improvement was this much is small mm -hmm. we just didn't see the traction and the reality we came to to realize is you have to be able to practice you have to take what a coach is sharing with you and put it into play again and again and again and what's going to make you really successful and what's going to make you move the needle is getting the same kind of feedback and having the same kind of encouragement and advice that a coach would give you and we both recognize you can't have a coach sitting on your shoulder every day because it's mm -hmm. far too expensive to have a coach on demand yep. uh, in your back pocket until we create a presenter. And that was really the impetus behind it. it was really to reach millions of people at the same time, as well as be that resource that could be anywhere, anytime you need it, giving you that same kind of assessment and in some ways better than what we can do. That was really what drove us for this was trying to spread the knowledge. And we want to shift this paradigm that most people are terrified. I don't think they are. They just learn to be terrified by it uh, early on and get their bad habits. We want to break that cycle. Was it? And, yeah. Oh, no, no. Um, sorry to cut you off. There. I was just going to say from a business perspective, you know, thinking about the secret ingredients that makes a startup successful, we really looked at it. And, you know, for those old enough to remember the Reese's peanut butter cup commercial, you know, one was the peanut butter, the other was the chocolate. And together we made this, you know, great team. And what we recognized is that we had such different skill sets. You know, we're so yin and yang in, in how we approach things. And even in this conversation right now, Tim is going to continually talk about the skills because that's where his passion is. This is where he comes from. And I will always defer back to the business because that's where I come from, is that I'm, I've been a business person my entire career. And putting those two things together were incredibly effective. And you know, when you read, and we certainly did a lot of this when we first started our business, when you read about what makes for good founders of a company, you have to have that balance. You know, if we were both just great trainers, we were definitely going to be missing part of the equation, which is who's going to write a business plan? You know, it's it's why so many companies aren't successful because they don't understand the ABCs of business, but they have a real passion about a particular topic. And we were very fortunate that we didn't have to go out and find that other person. We had already had built a strong bond and we'd already worked together. So the ability to take our uh, individual expertise and bring it together was incredibly beneficial and I think got us very fast tracked to looking at raising money and doing things like that because we didn't have to learn those pieces. That being said, you know, we learned a lot of other things because we had no idea what it was like. The process. To, to, the process. Yeah, I mean, it we didn't know what it was process. like to be in a startup, <laughs> but we at least had some foundational things that got us a little bit further along than maybe if, like I said, we were both just trainers who were very passionate about communication, but didn't necessarily understand business. And you guys, and it's very easy to tell, um, like the yin, yin and yang between you guys um, on the <laughs> podcast specifically. I have to shout out your podcast. Um, and I'd like to talk about it um, at some point during this as well. Sure, um, it's great. a great podcast. Um, and But you could just tell that you guys just, you have that. Yeah, Tim has the skills, you have the business and that back and forth, I think creates, um, you know, a really, a really cool, uh, you know, experience for that. Thank and you. on the, to kind of keep it on the business side, I guess, did, uh, 
how did you know that you wanted to create a software? Like, yeah, you could have created a course or a book or you guys could have wrote a book together. I don't know. It could have been anything. I guess there's just a lot of ways to create, um, I think, informational media or, you know, um, something, something of that nature. So what made you want to take that software route? And did you have any experience in that? <laughs> we had no experience, but this was really an idea that, Tim came up with when he was at a friend's house and he, their kids were playing. So you think you can dance. And he saw how the app or the, the game was responding to their movement. And that really triggered something in his head. And I, I'm telling his story, of course, but it really triggered mm -hmm. something in his head where he said, what if we could measure how people moved and how, you know, the volume of their voice or how quickly they spoke. So I don't know that we ever said, oh, let's build an app. It was more about, is there a way to give some type of digital and quantitative feedback? And when we first started the business, we really weren't thinking about a mobile app per se. And quite frankly, people thought we were crazy because this was 2013, long before the space had even developed. You know, now if you go into the app store or you look online, you'll see there are other apps out there that are doing this because the conversation around communication and public speaking has become so significant compared to where it was then. So I don't know that, you know, either of us ever said, Hey, let's build an app, mm -hmm. but we did want to find a solution for business that would allow us to be able to use technology in a specific way. And I'm going to let Tim talk about it because I'm sure he had other <laughs> thoughts about it in the beginning that I didn't have. Here's the symbiosis because she knows uh, <laughs> she can read my body language and tell right now that I want to jump in. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, what she said is very true. Tammy is, is spot on. It wasn't really about that, but it was intriguing to me after having just finished a workshop in the traditional sense of training somebody and reflecting on that where, you know, you'll have folks who just aren't necessarily convinced of what you're telling them. And sometimes they feel there's subjectivity to it, which we as coaches always have to battle. And when you see software quantify elements that we share visually and auditorily for, for the person we're training, they get to see it and hear it, but they see it in a data way that makes a greater impact it really supplements and elevates the learning experience. And all of that was really just the opportunity to say, what's going to drive somebody to want to do this or to want to be better? There are millions of books out there, maybe not millions, thousands of books out there on this subject. Yet, fundamentally, what we come back to is nothing's changed. People haven't gotten better, in theory. Like, it's no book mm -hmm. has solved this problem. And we know coming from the side just how the experience needs to be. And I think that was a big piece of what made my liking of this idea really come to fruition was it's about having the right experience to learn in order to change. And creating a business around that that was repeatable and scalable was, was the piece I didn't know about. And this is where we are such a great yin and yang here in that just a kernel of an idea where we're at today is not where we started at all. Uh, we've evolved yeah. so many times as any startup does. You, you evolve, you recognize what's changing, but fundamentally it's always been about the user experience so that they have, and we say this all the time, we're taking live coaching and putting it into a software platform because that is the right way to do it. It is the most effective way to do it. Technologies just lets us populate it much more than live training, and it can go deeper. There are things technology does that I wish I could do as a person, as a coach. Oh, yeah. I can't do it. That's, mm -hmm. that's the great part about it. And the book can't give you feedback, unfortunately. You know, no. um, it, it, nobody can guide you you know, through the book, like once you're done reading it, it's up to you then what you do. And a lot, most people, and even myself of like reading enough self-help books or, you know, whatever, how to make money or whatever it's on, you know, it's all the application um, right. and, the, and the feedback. So, and that seems, and from using your app too, that seems like, um, I, I love that. I love seeing I was going to say, Ryan, numbers. you use the app. And I remember <laughs> uh -huh. this is to your point. That's what I think is great about this. What you recognized in your, in your own experience, reaching out afterwards and asking me a question about pace, mm -hmm. my pace of speech, that kind of awareness you don't get from a book. You can get the theory, you can get the concept. It's really the, 
real life application that brings it to life, that makes it meaningful in your everyday life. It's not just presenting. We're not just teeing people up to use PowerPoint better or to work better with a slide deck. It's everyday communication, how you talk with your spouse, how you talk at work, your customers, your coworkers. We are any, we always have a saying, anytime you speak in public, you're public speaking. And we can be better at those environments and situations all the time, giving a toast at a wedding. There's a ton of application, but a book can't make that application happen and it can't make it better. Yeah. yeah I'm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, oh, no, go ahead. Um, we often compare this to sports like golf and which, you know, people scratch their heads when we say that. And I remember years ago uh, when I first got married, my husband was a golfer and he bought me golf clubs for our first anniversary, which I thought was the least romantic thing he could do. but. <laughs> It was actually great because we got to play golf together. But at the time I bought golf for dummies. You know, I, I wanted to learn how to be better. And I remember the experience of reading that book and feeling frustrated because every time I would learn something in the book, I just wanted to go swing a golf club and do it. And it's the same kind of thing with speaking. There's so many mechanics involved. And I think that's one of the most surprising things that people realize because Most people, when you talk to them about public speaking or being a confident communicator, they will say some people are born with it and some people aren't. It's like being born with a great singing voice. And you you could say, well, if you're not, if you're, if you're completely tone deaf, it may be hard to teach you to sing, but most people have an aptitude that can be cultivated when it comes to singing, for instance. And the same is true with speaking. Anybody can become a good speaker, as Tim was talking about. And you'll find that even people who are extremely introverted or very shy have the ability to become confident speakers because they learn the mechanics. They understand how to make eye contact and how to gesture and come off in a way that people don't realize that maybe they're feeling very nervous or anxious about what they're doing. So at the end of the day, the only way to learn a mechanical skill is to do it. If you're going to be a chef and you want to learn how to get knife skills, you're not going to read or watch a YouTube video on how to cut with a knife. You're going to hold a knife in your hand. You're going to take an onion and you're going to learn how to do it. And that's what we needed to create. And we needed to create it in a way that people could have that continuous experience. Meeting with a coach once isn't going to do it the same way you're not going to become Tiger Woods if you go for one golf lesson. And that's really the mentality that we had with this all along was we have to, we have to approach this like you would a sport or anything that becomes a physical thing and be able to give them the same kind of reinforcement and learning through the technology. Yeah. This doesn't end from using it. Like, it's not like, you know, here's three tips Okay. See ya. Like that's, you're done. That, right. yeah, you're done, because right? that's what over. most of it is, right. Is a lot of, t- and that's what, you know, that's what our culture breeds is, Hey, um, Oh, how do I, you know, get better at speaking in five steps in 10 minutes? Like, right. it's just right. not that easy. That's right. And you guys have developed this to, um, develop the software that you can constantly use. So you can check your scores and it's going to track it. Yeah. And, and it, it goes off. I believe there's also like a body language portion as well right yes, yeah absolutely um, and i don't know what my hands are doing see i don't know what they're doing most of the time see, you're I'm good like... because it's cut off you know your, <laughs> exactly your hands are down here. oh it's you know just what's happening re- you know it's really interesting <laughs> it's so funny uh and fascinating because the question that we often get from people and we just did um a, a tech show in los angeles last week and people would come up to our booth and you know, want a demo of the app and people would say, well, how long do you need to use it before you're good? And (laughs) I say, I'm still using it. Like, I don't, you know, people want to understand, like, how long should I buy a subscription for? You know, how long should I anticipate before I'm going to be done? And that's the part that's hard for people to understand because you do think about things. And well, if I go to this many classes, I'm going to learn how to do this. And it really depends upon what your end goal is. If you want to be able to get over, you know, a a huge fear that you have, it's going to take a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to be able to become proficient that quickly. And the reality is, is that the best speakers, and there've been article after article, like people like Steve Jobs, what was the secret to Steve Jobs' 
success as a speaker, he practiced every single time. Mm-hmm. It was never, I'm good enough and now I can just go up and wing it. It was every time he had to speak in front of an audience, he would put in hours and hours of practice refining and choreographing his hand gestures, where his voice went, how he came across. It wasn't just, I need to memorize my talk or practice reading the teleprompter. It was so much about all the elements that made him come across in a certain way. And we're trying to educate people to understand that this tool is not just about getting you from, from, you know, not so great to okay, but it's about giving you a a practice so that whenever you're speaking, you continually have a tool that's going to give you that feedback and help you get the confidence for that particular presentation or that talk, not just, you know, I just need to understand all the little pieces of it. And once I get that, I'm fine. I still practice. Tim still practices. Absolutely. Something that is part of our behavior, because even if I'm super comfortable with the content that I'm presenting, I want to really think about what is the room going to be like? And, you know, where, how do I want to focus on this? Or let me go through my slides and think about what I want to do in this particular part of the presentation physically to help engage the audience. Every, every presentation is different, even if you've done it a thousand times. Well, and I like that with the golf analogy works so well when we talk about this, because we're basically the driving range where we allow you to practice every club on the driving range, but then you go play a course and that course may be new to you. And the more you play two or three rounds, you get more comfortable with that course. As soon as you go to a brand new course, you may know what club to use, but it's going to be a different course. So having the driving range available to use it whenever you want so that you can practice all of those different shots. You're ready, but when you change courses, it feels different and it's going to throw you for a loop. Uh, That's true with presentation skills as well. Yeah, and you don't have to rely like your guys were saying from, you know, a one on one perspective. It's going to cost so much money to do that. If you do it one time, it's like you might get a lot of very valuable information, but then they can't teach you how to apply it and use it if, if you're only you know, going to be with them one time. So, yeah. We can't talk about sense. every possible scenario exactly. out there exactly. in a one-day course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even in even for ongoing coaching, you know, it's something that it's a moment in time. And that's the thing I think people need to know. Working with a coach is fantastic, but it's a moment in time experience. And it's on you to absorb as much as possible, which is great. But, you know, the other side we haven't really talked about that I think is even equally as powerful and big is the fear factor. People I are love this so part of it. terrified mm-hmm. of doing it in front of others, whether they're people they know or people they don't know. In general, people are terrified of being judged or assessed. You know, am I in front of my peers or my boss? How are they going to look at me? Uh, and, you know, it's, it's a hard one to crack. The biggest thing we hear is I love that I can do this wherever I want and I don't feel uncomfortable doing it with just me and my laptop or my phone. And it allows them to get past that bridge because once you do, once you start to knock down that wall a little bit of the fear, you just start to build momentum at that point. And then you're starting to feel more of your confidence and you've created that muscle memory really getting that ball rolling and you're doing it in front of others, it's a challenge. And any trainer will tell you that creating the right environment's critical. And you have one person in a workshop or a seminar that can blow up the whole experience and it will shut down everybody. So having this freedom of your self-awareness and self-judgment to practice it. And by the way, it doesn't just say what you did poorly. It's not about highlighting what's bad. That's part of the experience. You have to see what you do great. Mm-hmm. And there are things everybody does fundamentally well. There are certain elements. It's unique mm-hmm. to all of us. We're not perfect. Somebody's going to be really great at body language. You're, you, for example, your body language has been open. You're, you're not closed off. It makes it easier to interact with you. I'm more comfortable interacting with you because you don't have your body language closed off or you're staring off into space like you could care less. Those things maybe come naturally to you. To your own point, pace of speech, maybe you talk really fast. Oh. Oh, I do. 
That's my you didn't realize touching this moment right gonna, here. I was going to say, you didn't realize this was going to be a little analysis, right? Oh, this is, no, it's great. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take all the feedback I can get. I got it, pers- it personally from the founders right now. This is- <laughs> no, I want to I wanna just add to the fear part of it because it really is the root of why so many people don't share their ideas or why they have less than ideal presentations or communication experiences. You know, there's a lot of data on this and the most of the data will tell you that three quarters of the population says that uh, public speaking is their number one fear. And there's a very funny Jerry Seinfeld quote that at a funeral, you'd rather be the one in the coffin than the one giving the eulogy. And I would hate to believe that people would actually rather be dead than to talk, but it's a very deep fear. I mean, it really, it really um, plays into our biggest vulnerabilities. We're being judged. Uh, you know, we we may not feel comfortable being open in front of a group of people. We don't want everybody to be looking at us. There are, there are so many things that go into this. And you shared before about our podcast, and we did this really interesting episode in the podcast that talked about fear. And since then, I've done a little bit more research on this. And I recently read an article that talks about this idea that, you know, when you're a young child, so you're under the age of five, let's say, and we see this all the time. I have kids and, you know, all of us see little kids run around and they're fearless. They'll say anything, you know, you have a three-year-old that comes up to you and just says the most ridiculous thing to you, but they're not afraid. They're not uncomfortable. They don't, they don't have that inhibition. And something happens when they start going to school. Part of it is the evolution of their own brains and their ability to begin um, having some level of self-reflection. But the other thing is they become criticized and appropriately criticized. They get feedback. People say to them, I can't hear you or look at me when I'm when you're talking or whatever it might be, you know, pick your head up or stand up and talk. And suddenly, as that evolution happens, we begin to build up these vulnerabilities. By the time you're in middle school or high school when you're or college, when you're regularly having to talk in front of groups of people, you've now built up this wall. You are now so walled off from people because you're so uncomfortable unless you have practiced or been coached or you have, you know, you're of that 25% of the population that really does love to talk, you're likely to be exhibiting a lot of these behaviors. And what happens is that by the time you get to maybe the workplace and you're suddenly getting coached, now when a coach comes in, they have to rework you. You know, there's years and years of what I would call trauma that people have built up because of the anxiety and like, the message uh, that they've been sending to themselves. Like social trauma, I guess it would be. Like, right? yeah, I mean, like, I, then you add in someone who has social anxiety, right? Like you can you can layer that yep, right on top that of it. That contributes, yep. Sure. The interesting thing that I found, which surprised me so much, when Tim coached me, it was just him, him and me. It was just the two of us that were doing this. And I was more uncomfortable in that situation than if he had coached me with a group of people because there was no place to hide. And I trusted him. I mean, we did this in his house. I was in an environment that was completely safe. I was with someone who I was, you know, very close to. I had a deep level of trust and I wanted to crawl into a hole because it was so uncomfortable because I was so worried about letting him down, not being good enough, not, you know, picking up the skills quickly enough. Or if I made a mistake over and over and over again, I was beating myself up over it. So even in that environment where you feel very safe with someone, it's still a nerve wracking experience. Imagine you now are walking into a room with a coach you've never met before, and they're going to try to coach you and your walls are up. You're so turned off. Like you're so, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing to overcome. And that's why, you know, as Tim was sharing, People have shared with us that doing it by themselves removes a lot of that inhibition. And it probably builds the confidence for, you know, when you are in front of people. And it is different. And I know from experience of 
of being a DJ too, and just having to get up in front of people. And it's like, these people want me to do the best right, they yes. want because they paid for me to be here and do right, that. And you're going to make so, their night, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Gonna, that's the point. You're making yeah. the party happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's we like, tell that's people that all do. the time there. Nobody shows up hoping you're going to be a complete failure. Exactly. Nobody wants you to just eat it and, and suck. They want you to succeed when you're the one up there leading a meeting or whatever formal, informal presentation it is or environment you're in. People, we generally say people are so glad it's you and not them. They want you to do well. And so you do start with 100%. It's to Tammy's point, we whittle ourselves down the ranks. We uh, Mm -hmm. instantly start deducting and challenging ourselves. There's this great. Uh, book and the author is eluding me, but it's called The Inner Game of Golf. And it talks about the two voices in our head. The conscious voice and that subconscious voice that is constantly challenging what you're trying to sell yourself. Oh, I can do this. I've got it. I can do it. I know what I'm doing. I've got the skills. And there's that little drip, 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 drip in the background. No, you can't. No, you don't. You've been embarrassed Mm -hmm. before. You haven't done it. And, And that's part of what this practicing and improving does is it helps regulate your ability to talk to that second voice in your head and say, you've been doubting me forever. I know I can do this and I've already demonstrated it and here's how, and you do that. And it does let you pick up that pace when you're able to do it on your own and remove the fear factor a lot. It's solely contained. Nobody else knows. That's very freeing to be able to do that. And I I just think it's an, it's a monumental part that even a coach can't solve. Yeah. When, when you guys are in, you know, a corporate scenario um, and you're training, like, what is, like, what is, I don't, you know, I don't want to go like too crazy far into it, but like, I'm, I'm just, I I mean, I'll go as crazy as I can, you know, on this podcast, (laughs) but um, I'm just curious of myself, like um, what, what do you guys do to then, like you said, some people are just automatically just don't want to open up to something like that. They don't want to maybe, or they don't have the confidence that they can learn how to present better. Like, how do you guys, you know, instill that trust and like, I guess, comfortability. Um, I know you want to make them uncomfortable, I guess, part of the anxiety, but like (laughs) the initial, you know, how do you guys Yeah. I mean, for me, I have a very specific approach and we're different in how we do this. I share my story first and foremost, because I want them to know I'm one of you. You know, I've sat in your seat and it, you know, the assumption is when a coach comes in that, again, they were born to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, you have a gene that I don't have. That's their job. This is what they do. Right. This is what they do. I don't do this. I'm in sales. I I, I remember, and I'll, I'll answer your question in a second, but I remember, and I shared this with Tim when I first met him, I remember years and years ago, more than 10 years ago, I was at a conference and I saw a woman at this conference talk. She did a keynote for 40 minutes without any notes. I love this like, story. And I watched this woman and I was mesmerized because I couldn't in any universe imagine how she could stand on that stage for 40 minutes and talk. Like, where's the information coming from? How is she so comfortable? Why is she not falling to the ground having a heart attack? Like, how is that happening? And it was, it really eluded me. I had no idea how that was possible. And when I, when I go in front of groups of people or I'm coaching one-on-one and we do this quite frankly in the app as well, we share these stories. Um, I, I talk about the fact that I lived in your world. I have come out the other end. There's nothing that they could share with us that we haven't felt ourselves. And quite frankly, I know Tim also had his own fears, but there's nothing that you have to disarm them and helping them understand that A, it's a safe space. B, we've trained many, many people. We've been there ourselves. But also, I think for me, one of the biggest things that I do is I use humor in this. Like, this is not rocket science. This is, we are not saving the world here. You know, we are helping you become more confident, but let's have fun with it. And let's not take ourselves so seriously 
And the minute that you do that, it really does begin to disarm. I don't know about you, Tim. No, it's a great way to neutralize it. And I, I like the question, Ryan, because you highlight what makes it challenging for a workshop to exist and to function in the highest form possible. And that's the responsibility of a trainer to be able to break down those walls and create the culture or environment of the workshop, whether you have them for a half day or a full day. And I too share my story. We all have a story. I think that's the part that most people don't know. We all have a story and sometimes I'll ask and I'll share. Other times I I sometimes take a different pathway. And what I try to do is break through the illusion. Uh, You have an illusion when you're watching a trainer and coming into it with that perception. That's what they are experts at. So therefore, uh, they must have always been that way. And whether it's sharing my personal story, my own journey of how I really wasn't, I lacked confidence. I had all of the signals that everybody talks about. I I had the sweats, the splotchy (laughs) skin. I couldn't make eye contact, stumbled over words. I would do so many presentations over the phone as many as I could that I didn't have to stand in front of my peers or managers that I got called out on it at some point. It was that obvious. You know, it's it, it, it's definitely though about breaking down those illusions that people have of, of what we are doing and how we do it and what makes a great presenter. The opposite is true too. When you're the one up presenting, one of the things we try to share with people is you can get the same kind of feedback just by observing your audience, look at their body language as much as you control yours as a speaker. I try to pay attention to folks' body language, what kinds of questions are resonating with them, what part of the material. When we ask them, what do they want work on? And they say nothing, that's great. But I'm going to catalog that and think, okay, when do they chime up during the rest of the time? Because that's something they're interested in. You can tell when it peaks them. So It's just an important part of it, being able to just break down those walls of what the perception is and what reality is and let them know that you can get there just as easily as I can. And very simply, um, you know, obviously it's not all this, but it really is kind of in your head, right? Like it's just an ingrained and you have, you know, programs, processes that you guys go through to break it down um, in somebody and for them to actually turn it around and use it then. Yeah, I think that's um, what makes us different from a lot of others, to be honest with you. Uh, it's it's great if somebody can give you uh, data, how many times you said, um, if they can give you statistics, you know, compared to your comparing yourself to yourself or comparing yourself to others. But what really is of essence here is how do you do it differently? What do you do with that information? I can build your awareness, but if I don't show you and educate you how to do it differently, and then give you a mechanism to try that out and build that muscle. That's why we refer to it as muscle memory all the time. We're building your speaking muscles. Uh, You've got to have the right rubric in place in order to be able to move that needle. And what works well in a workshop uh, is having that opportunity for a moment in time. It's translating that into an ongoing continuous learning loop that is the success. And that's where we found our, certainly found our traction not just about what you're doing in the data and making you aware. It's about educating you how to change, giving you an, a, a vehicle to change that behavior, to practice a different way, and then go reassess yourself. And you can statistically see how well you do. So how can, um, obviously, I want to stay away from the, you know, these are three things and, you know, go, but I mean, obviously, sometimes tips do help. Um, but if we're going to have Say I, ha- you know, I have a founder who has a small company, and they have a small team that they work with. Like, what are some things if you're in a position where you're a boss, you're a manager? Um, what are some things that you should do, and then or try to do for your employees in the realm of of presenting or presenting information or or yourself? So Buy I have a, a few here, and I know presenter. First. <laughs> okay, number one, folks. <laughs> number, number one, one. <laughs> it's really cheap. It's really cheap. Number one, we have an app. I, yeah. I, I do have some thoughts around this. Uh, obviously, the app is a part of it because it's fundamentally yep. what it has we're, to be what we're solving. And I've used it myself personally, so I know it does. It works, folks. <laughs> you know firsthand yep. that it works and yep. how it helped you. And and look at how how much time you spent using it and how you felt in that amount of time. Mm-hmm. Now multiply that over continuous use week over week. And that's where you see the amplification. That's where you see things ramp up 
when you use it for 15 minutes in a week, imagine if you did that 15 minutes, much like working out or brushing your teeth every day, 15 minutes a week over the course of a month, you will see improvement. And we've seen it. We've seen people do it. We look at their scores. We watch how it changes their behavior. We know the more you play our games, the more it's going to really push you to develop that muscle. You're building the muscle when you practice. Uh, it's just learning how to do it differently. But your question, I, I love this question because it's not really one of those cheeky, what are the three things you should do? I like how you positioned it as a leader of a company. What I think really is incredibly important here, and it, and it has to start at the top, is A, as a leader, you have to create a company culture where you value great communication skills because you have to recognize there are people showing up at your meetings every day or maybe that are a part of your team. And even those that are more vocal in the, than others that are um, seem seem more comfortable sharing, all of them to a degree are uncomfortable sharing. Uh, they they've got opportunity, they've got ideas, they've got innovation inside of them, and it, it's sad that the one thing holding them back is they don't feel comfortable or confident enough to share it. Oh my gosh, my idea is going to be bad, therefore I'm going to share it in a bad way. I don't want to do that. They've got to create a company culture where it, it takes the value of communication skills and embeds it within, within the company. The other piece of it is, is the app, of course. You've got to then, if you're going to make that a part of your culture, you have to give them resources to be able to uh, elevate themselves within that company culture. And our, our app is a perfect solution to be able to do that. For a small business, you're not going to get you know one-on-one -on -one coaching, let alone big organizations. It's only for those C-suite individuals. And even they're terrified of getting in front of a coach. I mean, it, this isn't level-oriented. Everybody is. And I think the third thing is, is being able to give feedback and encouragement. Reward mm -hmm. them. Huge. Reward them for what they're doing. Reward them for even trying. Those three things of making it the right culture, giving them the tools they need to get better and reward them for showing up and doing the hard work, that's, that's the three things I would advise them. It's, it can be transformational. I want to add to that. Someone the other day when we were at this um, tech conference said to us, we are the Grammarly of public speaking. <laughs> and I am completely obsessed with that idea because I come from a world, I was an English major, grammar is very important to me, I'm a total nerd that way. And when I think about grammar, and I think about looking at my team when they write emails, and I think about the generation of people coming into the workplace, so many people, and I'm just as guilty of it, uh, you know, write in shorthand, right? We write text, you know, see you later, right? Not S-E-E-Y-O-U later, or how are you, right? We have so much shorthand in how we communicate quick. Let's be, you know, as quickly as possible as we can do it. And then we have to write a, an email to a customer and nobody knows how to write. It's really, really hard to do. The same is true with how we speak that we don't necessarily think that much about investing the time in how we're going to communicate our thoughts. And there's really simple things. You know, Tim gave very, I think, um, prescriptive approaches to how to an organization can think about embedding communication skills and a practice into their organization. But then we get down to the very tactical things. Think about your filler words. I literally have on my window here literally <laughs> literally on my window words to avoid there are words to avoid in writing and there are words to avoid in speaking so very rather really quite in fact just pretty of course surely that said actually literally i need these that. are words i will send it to you after I this need it. these are words <laughs> that we don't want to use they're just basic words. And I stare at it all day as I'm typing an email, as I'm having a conversation on the phone to remind myself the words that we use matter. And even though most of what we're teaching when we teach communication skills is really about nonverbals, those words are nonverbal ticks that we have. I don't say really because I want to say really. I say really because as my brain is going very, very fast, and I was about to say really, really fast, 
Mm -hmm. Uh, It's what comes out. It becomes behavioral. If I say really a lot, Tim's going to start to say really a lot. And someone else on the team is going to start saying really a lot because we pick up each other's behaviors the same way we pick up each other's mannerisms. If you look at, you know, if your parents have been married for like 40 years or 30 years or whatever, and you look at them, you're like, God, they're so similar. They have similar mannerisms because they've been around each other. Or in a family, you find that people do similar things. The same thing is true in a workplace. I will never forget, we hired an engineer and his filler phrase was, to be honest. And all of a sudden, everybody on the team started saying, to be honest. And of course, my reaction to that is, are you lying the rest of the time? Or... What? Like, why, why are you using that it, term? It's unconscious, right? Or it's completely unconscious. And it was his way of emphasizing, I really want you to listen to this. So we have to think about and be consciously changing behaviors. Filler words are probably one of the biggest things that we hear people talking about or that people are looking for help for. Specifically because, and I don't mean to beat up on millennials, because millennials get beat up on enough, but it's it's come from the way we talk, the way we text, the way we communicate. We tend to use a lot of fillers, ums and likes and so's and you knows and things like that. So when we think about the things that you need to begin to look at, look at the contagion in your in your team as to what language is now being repeated again and again, because a lot of it is happening unconsciously. I didn't set out to use a specific term, but once I use it, I use it again and again. And the other thing I think that is a really, really simple thing that a lot of people don't think about, again, from a tactical perspective, is how loud they are. We always ask people, you know, do you think you have a loud voice? Oh, everybody tells me I talk so loud. You know, my wife tells me I should shut up. And, you know, my boss is like, you're on the phone and you're really, really loud. And then the minute you have to talk in front of other people, suddenly your voice drops because you're getting into your formal presentation mode. And and people are really not aware of it because we don't have the ability to understand or to process how loud we are because the only only, um, range we have is from our mouth to our ears. And more often than not, what we find is that when we coach people on speaking louder, we have to tell them to speak at a level that feels uncomfortably loud to them because the the sound just is in it's it's irritating to you when you hear yourself that loud but that's mm-hmm. the sound that other people need to hear and it's very hard to learn it and one of the things that we did in the app and it's the thing that i think is probably one of the most valuable elements in the app is the ability to see your volume And this is where Tim earlier was talking about that the app can do things that we can't do. I can't ever teach you what the proper volume is for yourself. Just can't do it because I can't help you here with my ear. But when you see your volume, if you practice your volume and you see the meter going into the range that it's supposed to be in, you're training your brain to hear that volume, much like we start using words that we hear again and again, if you start hearing that volume again and again at that level, you can train your brain to understand that's the right level to use. And that's a very important tool for uh, for individuals to learn because they simply, most people don't speak loud enough. Most people, when they get up in front of a group of people or even in a small office like we have, you you can't hear someone across the room and you have to ask them to get louder. So again, from a tactical perspective, I think the filler words and the volume are two of some of the most important things that people can improve upon. First of all, thank you so much for that. I needed that too. And I think I, I assume that our, our audience does too. Second of all, I need whatever poster that is. I need that or I'm version of that. I'm going to send that to you. Um, because yeah, that's, because I use those all the time and I know we all do, right? And to the, to your volume thing, I have recorded like three albums. So at this point, I I'm I have a weird con- awareness of what my voice sounds like, I think. And also from DJing, like and doing it live too. Because you and have I, headphones on. So you're you're and I'm listening to myself. already magnified, right? Mm-hmm, right. Right now. So exactly. And it's already it's magnified, but that's something that I never it took me probably a year just 
listening to myself to really be aware of how I sound, even though it's in my ears, but just actually being aware of the volume levels and, and also recording music. It's like, you start to realize that the spectrum of sound, there's so much to it. Right. It's right. insane. It's not simple. It's, it, and it's most not people simple. don't yeah. want to hear their voice because exactly. we typically they don't it. like the sound of our own yeah. voice because it doesn't match up mm-hmm. with what we hear when we're speaking. When you play it back, it's a different sound. Yep. And th- it's really important that you do listen to it. And one of the things that we encourage people to do in the app is to play back their recording so they could hear it. But again, it goes back to our vulnerability. Like, I don't want to hear myself. I don't, I don't want to look at a video of myself. I don't want to see any of that. But it's so helpful, as you were saying, to, to, to be able to get the sense of what the right volume is. And hopefully in less than a year, right? Hopefully you can do it quicker than that. But that's a really, that's a really important point. You definitely can too. And just get the presenter app. There you go. Get the Um, app. It's that it's it's that easy to start, you know, and then you build from there and learn. But I want to make the transition to who is the audience for this app? I know you guys um, just just relaunched, I think you said. So what is who can use this app? Um, Obviously, we know kind of what they can use it for. But um, but if you could uh, just go into that a little bit. you know, sure. Who's it for? The app, we, we target the app primarily to businesses. So small teams, large teams, uh, it, we have different subscription levels, but we see that the greatest utilization is within organizations because oftentimes the first time we really have to focus on our, on our presentation or on our communication skills is when we're in the workplace. All that being said, we also, uh, focus on universities as well, because we know that students are presenting a lot and they have a need to do it. So our target audiences right now are uh, small, medium-sized businesses, as well as universities. But if you're an individual and you want to be able to improve, you can also um, access the app. It's $9 a month subscription, and you get full, I'm good, total plug here, you get full coaching in the app. We have this fantastic coach in the app called Abby. And Abby is what's inside of our brains. Abby will, we use artificial intelligence to be able to guide a user towards the specific learning they need. And we're able to do that because we are using data. We have a quantitative analysis of everyone and based on where you score in your different skill areas will determine what Abby is going to teach you. So you don't have to come in and know what you need to work on. Much like with a live coach, the very first thing that's going to happen to you is that you're going to get assessed. And from that assessment, Abby will guide you to whatever it is you need to learn. Yeah, I would just add to that. It's it, it, the folks that use it. I want to really push for those individual ones, like Tammy was saying. Of course, you could get a team going, and we highly encourage that from a business perspective. A manager is going to want to know how their team is doing. Uh, when you get those, when you get a team license, you're able to see everyone's results and be able to support them. Like I said, that creating that company culture that's really positively influencing their behavior is incredibly important. And this is just one of the tools you can use to do that. For the individual, it's it's so applicable. It's use it anytime, anywhere. And I love that, you know, to Tammy's point about the list of words, we oftentimes don't know some of the filler words we're using. And you may think that it's um or uh, or our engineer who used to be honest as a jumpstart for every sentence it can be replaced easily with something else. As Tammy shared earlier, if she starts saying so a lot, I'm going to start saying it and it's going to creep in and we're not always aware of it. The idea of being able to have a technology that can highlight your 20 most common used words every time you use the app is something that is is unbelievable because it's an evolution. You remove one challenge, there's one right behind it. There's always going to be something you have to tackle and you have to work on to improve. You'll never perfect, but you can constantly improve them. And having Abby in our uh, in our platform allows a user to have a unique experience because it will she will provide you with data that you just aren't aware of and it lets you then tackle something that's just fresh and new to you. 
I'm a big fan of doing it all the time. We use the app not just when we're practicing for presentations. I've got it recording right now. So I'll be curious to see what my score is afterwards. Wow. So there's that application too. Absolutely. Yeah, anything. Yeah. Real, sure. life. real life is where the rubber hits the road, so mm-hmm. to speak. You're right. We can practice all we want. And once we get into the real situation, mm-hmm. that's going to be what people remember. That's going to be what they experience. And how do I know how well I'm doing if I can't figure it out in real life? Uh, right now, I could be doing one of our activities that flashes all of the filler words that I'm tracking that I know for myself that I need to avoid right on the screen. I love being able to use it on a call like this because I can then figure out how well did I do? Uh, what did I, what did I think I was doing better? And is there something going differently that I'm not sure about? Uh, it's that real life application that makes it absolutely important. And so people have a, a little perspective when I, um, my first use of it, I had a, um, a 15 minute presentation and after getting the feedback, it became a 20 minute presentation because I was going hundred miles an hour and talking like this. You know? So, you know, and I could do that. Like, you know, and it's like, uh, it's part of just the way I am. So I said, the, you know, gave me that rating. I was like, no, I was like, really? Okay. You know, I got to, re- and did you let li- you listen to it afterwards? I did. I did. Yeah. I listened and to it. And you were probably well. like, what? Yeah. I was like, you know what? It sounds like my accounting professor trying to explain. <laughs> like, I get it now. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm doing that because I know the information and I don't realize the other side who this is the first time they're getting this information. So the funny so thing different. is Ryan is in your everyday conversation. You're not a particularly fast talker. And that's, that's, that's the interesting part of this. Like I was talking about volume before Mm -hmm. we can have a conversation at a normal conversation rate, but the minute I say, okay, you're on, it all changes because your mind shift changes that now you are suddenly presenting to a group of people. You stop thinking about the fact that you're actually still having a conversation. Mm -hmm. You're just doing most of the talking in the conversation. You're still connecting with someone in the audience. You know, the idea of eye contact, which is fascinating to people, that you're actually having one-on-one conversations. You're not just trying to make sure that you look at everybody in a room, but you want to look at a person, talk to them, look at another person, talk to them. And that changes the whole experience that you're having because when we get up, and I, I remember this from when I was a kid, I hope this is not still taught in school, but when I was a kid, when we would get up to present, they would say, just look at a spot on the wall in order to ease your nerves because it felt scary to look at people. You know, or they used to say, imagine everybody in their underwear because Mm -hmm. that would be disarming to you. Well, if they're all sitting in their underwear, why should I be nervous about it? But in fact, if we were able to use the same skills that we use when we're having a conversation with somebody, we wouldn't talk quite as fast. We would make eye contact. We would speak at a proper volume. We would gesture as we normally would have a conversation. But the minute we have to give what feels like a formal presentation, mm-hmm. you know, we lock ourselves up. Everything changes. Take ourselves yeah. out. Yeah. And now you're speed talking. And you would never do that if you were having a conversation with a friend. That's what we're trying to tackle. We're trying to get people to realize that every conversation, every presentation is just a conversation with one or more people. And we all do it all the time, every single day, and we do it just fine. How can you apply that same ease and comfort to when it's a more formal situation? I don't know the difference between valuable and very valuable, but in my opinion, this app is very valuable. <laughs> really valuable. Uh, really, really, so, really valuable. So with like 10 O's. Like. <laughs> really very valuable. Exactly. Really quite indeed Ex- very extreme, valuable. Like, extremely like valuable. really, like really. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, I Ryan. I hope people uh, understand that. If they, I hope they get that from this <laughs> podcast. But guys, if nothing I, else. I know, if nothing else. Exactly. And, if I, and I can't thank you guys enough. Um, for for coming on it's thanks for having such a great experience and to actually to listen to your podcast and then have you on too is is uh is 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 so cool for me um thank you we we appreciate it i feel like a rock star right now thanks ryan oh that's that's what we try to do (laughs) you're a great host so you appreciate well done good communication skills i would just want to say to your listeners to remember that we are presenter p-r-e-s-e-n-t-r there's not an extra e at the end there 
and they should check us out on our website, brand new relaunch website, www.presenter.me. In the show notes. Thank you. Appreciate that in the show notes. Check us out. We'd love to hear from people. Send us a note. If you've got questions, we're always happy to hear from people who use the app or not. If they need advice on stuff, please check us out and uh, let us know. And also, I don't want to forget the podcast. Make sure you check out their podcast as well. It's called Figures of Speech. I'm so mad that I didn't come up with that name. And Uh it's such a good name for the podcast. (laughs) But it really is um, a very valuable podcast as well because you guys have experts on to talk about um, these things when it comes to speech and presentation. So make sure uh, everybody watching and listening to check that out too. And everything uh, is in the show notes below. And thanks again, guys. Thanks, Ryan. Follow us on your favorite social media. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for tuning in to the No CMO Podcast. This has been episode 12, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Tim and Tammy from the Presenter app. Please feel free to check out their podcast on all platforms. That is the Figures of Speech Podcast. You can also click the link in the show notes below. Don't forget to check out our Thinking Outside the Block webinar getting great PR for your blockchain startup. That's with Bob Geller of Fusion PR and our own founder, Chris Hansen. That's Tuesday, November 7th, 2019 from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Once again, hosted by Chris and Bob. They also did a previous webinar that you can check out on our website. That is youdontneedacmo.com. 